Amen. Well, how many of you have a really good health plan? And you, you, you just love your health plan. Anybody? Because if you do, I'd like to sign up for it. That'd be great. Um, with that being the case, you know, a lot of the, the health plans today are about uh, preventative medicine, right? They want to be very, very involved because it's not all that expensive. It's information, right? We want to educate you. And why? Well, I would think philosophically because they want us to be healthy. But we also know there's the other side of, of the balance sheet, right? That they don't want to have to pay for unnecessary uh, uh, medical issues that tend to become that which bankrupts, you know, insurance policies. I think I just heard uh, this past week that diabetes is now the second leading cause of death in first world country. Diabetes. So maybe there's some wisdom in, in looking at this stuff. I know that, uh, that a friend of mine, y'all heard, if you've been around for a while, y'all heard my assessment from my doctor about three years ago that I had what was called some kind of health syndrome. And uh, I got real excited about that because our family loves the movie The Incredibles. And so I just thought I'd put a big S on my chest and just call myself Syndrome, right? And, uh, and that would be me, except it was kind of a pejorative term that she was using. You have a health syndrome. Did you even know that you can be so unhealthy that you can be called you have a health syndrome? And I'm walking around just fine, folks. I don't have a disease. I don't have anything. And she's like labeling me. I mean, I thought we are in a society where we're not going to label people, right? And there's tolerance and all these things. I left that building. You can ask my wife. You can ask a few people that I just happen to praise Jesus over this syndrome thing. Um, how excited I was to be labeled as a health syndrome. So this past year, I turned. And uh, I thought that, that I might want to start attending to this health syndrome issue. And so this past summer, you know, I, I, I did this little program and, and, you know, I thought, you know, it was going to be great because I was going to, you know, drop some, some LDs, right? And, and, that was gonna be, and it felt great to, to lose that weight. Fantastic. And so we were heading down south to speak at my former church in November. And, I, you know, I wish I could tell you that I was free from that narcissistic journey of saying, I look a lot different than I did last time they saw me. So, you know, in Jesus' name, I want to hear all the praise about how good I look now, right? You know, come on, let's be real. Let's be real. You, 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 you cut your hair, you wear some new fancy pants. Somebody complimented me on my pants already. I'm so excited about that. And uh, so I'm going in, I'm like, oh, I can't wait to hear about how, you know, all these people. Not one person said, wow, you've dropped a you, you just, this is what they said. You look healthy. You look healthy. And for the next month, people just kept saying, you look healthy. And I'm thinking to myself, oh, is that the walking dead? How bad did I really look? Folks, when people, when people start to evaluate you, it motivates something. And I don't, you know, as far as I know, I don't have any diseases. I don't have a blood-borne pathogen. I, you know, nothing. Just, you know, you can only eat so much Taco Bell. And, and it comes out in your skin, your hair follicles, and, and we'll stop there. But, 
you know, the problem is spiritually. We can say and we can tell ourselves we're healthy all we want. But what happens when we put ourselves up against a good metric, right? Of, of those who know what spiritual health truly looks like. We had our first little um, soiree into counseling training this past weekend. And one of the things we came out from that, that counseling time was the fact that most counseling out in, in the world is all about self. It's all about treating yourself. But good counseling that treats your spiritual health attends to the soul, not the self, and attends to the soul. And this is part of the problem that we have. The more we attend to the self, and so I just threw out a real quick illustration yesterday, and I had a, I had a flavored tootsie roll. How many of you love those flavored tootsie rolls? Right? Fruit-flavored fruit tootsie rolls. Right? Christina and I are like, oh, these things are like poison for us. Like good poison, right? Turkish delight, right? And then I took an orange, and I think, Adam, didn't you walk in today with a little cutie? A little cutie orange? I mean, you walked in with a little cutie. That was Logan. <laughs> yeah. Or, or Teresa had it? Yeah, Logan had it. Yeah, Logan had it. The front row is just really attacking me right now. But, but what happened is, you know, I had one of those, one of those cuties. And so I turned to everybody and I said, I didn't tell them what it was about. I just said, which one would you choose? And it was just fun. I won't sell out who was there. I won't tell you what they chose. But the point is, is that there's their, that part of us that wants to attend to self and wants, the, wants that fruity glob of chemicals. But if we want to attend to our health, we're going to eat the orange, aren't we? So what are we doing spiritually? What is the church? If we were going to put the church through a, 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 a medical examination and see if we're spiritually healthy, what would that look like? Well, you have to have a metric, right? They go in and they take my blood pressure and they have to have some kind of metric, right? What is normal? What is good? What, what should you be hitting? So we're going to look at that this morning out of Acts chapter 2. Turn there, if you will, with me this morning. And as we do so, you have sermon notes inside of your bulletin. And I encourage you, um, take those out and you'll see, hopefully, hopefully you'll see the right sentences on the screen. And you can fill in the blanks um, if you're a sermon note person. And uh, as part of those sermon notes, you'll see life group notes on the back. I encourage you. Get into one of our life groups. Uh, we have one on Monday night. There's a group that meets on Tuesday. There's two groups that meet on Thursdays. And you can get all that information off our website. You can get it out of the kiosk after service. A great group of community, just like Patty was talking about. That's one of the measurements of spiritual health of the church, is that sense of community. So let's look at this passage this morning. We're talking about the healthy church. And we're looking at Acts 2, 42 through 47. And where we have left off is the day of Pentecost. The Holy Spirit has come. It's been a realization of the prophecy of the Holy Spirit out of Joel. And, and even Jesus' words as he's walking with the disciples, John 14, 16, and even as recent as a few days prior, as Jesus ascended on the Mount of Olives, where he said what? He said, you will be my witnesses when the Holy Spirit comes upon you 
to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to all the ends of the earth. All of that was fulfilled, not in its completion, but it was all fulfilled a few days later when the Holy Spirit came upon that original 120. We have close to 120 in this room today. Imagine if God was going to start with a group of people to grow his church and you were in it. And the Holy Spirit fell upon you. What would that look like in ensuing days? That's what we're looking at. This is the fun part, is the mystery of it in looking back. And Luke gets to write from a first-hand account saying, okay, this is, what we, this is what went down. This is what happened. And it's fascinating. So the Holy Spirit comes, and then Peter stands up and he preaches one of the greatest sermons ever, right? We talked about that last week. What is a good sermon? What is a great sermon? It's one that has effectiveness. It's one that speaks to the heart. It's one that will tell you if you have a syndrome, whether it's going to be received well or not. It's one that's put out to tell you what is, what is healthy, what is good, what is godly. It's one that inspires you towards change and godly change. And it's one that is effective. Now what happened? Peter preaches and 3,000 asked the question that day. They were cut to the heart. And it says that they screamed out to Peter and to the other brothers, the other apostles, what should we do? The truth of what you say is, is piercing us to our heart. We get it. What should we do? And Peter says, repent and be baptized. This morning to you, you want to get spiritually healthy. The first thing you do, the first thing you do is look at to who Jesus Christ is. If you do not know him as of yet, Jesus Christ came in the form of man. He's the second part of the Trinity. He is God. And he came and he died in order that we would not have to pay a penalty for sin that we could never pay. In order that we might be reconciled to God. We might be able to come back to God in spite of that sin. He did that for you. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son... That whoever, what? Believes. Now that's our part. Right? Peter says at the end of the sermon, he says, save yourselves from this wicked generation. Look, God creates all the opportunity. He creates all the mechanism. He does so in love. And he did so through sacrifice in order that we might be free from this wicked generation. That we might get spiritually healthy. Right? He's done all that. But there is one thing we have to do. And that is believe. That is believe. And this morning, if you haven't placed your trust there yet, it is a fascinating thing. You'll hear more about that in, at the end of the sermon. You'll hear more about that at the end of the sermon. So now what happens is that the church is born. There are 3,120 people in the county. What do they do? Have you ever been to just this incredible grand event and you didn't want to leave? And you're thinking, well, what's next? Come on, surely there's got to be more. There's got to be more. And that's what we get to look at this morning. So Acts 2, starting in 42, let's look and see what happened as we pick it up. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds.
proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. Yeah, a lot happened. This is the birth of the church. This is why we are here today. My understanding of who God is and who Jesus is and the Holy Spirit in the church is that you're not here by mistake today. There is no reason that you would be here by mistake. So if you're not here by mistake, God has something for you. Keep pursuing. Whether it's that initial pursuit of Jesus Christ or whether it's the pursuit of what does it mean to be a healthy person in the church or the healthy church. Let's say this before we start breaking down everything. When we say, let's be a healthy church, what exactly are we talking about? Well, at some points today, we're going to talk about the scrutiny or the examination, if you will, of Concord Bible Church, because that's who's gathered here today. But in essence, this is a lot about us as individuals. We have a book that's in our, our counseling center um, for you today, and only today, $10, $10. And you'll get a free set of knives. Go with you. Um, this is Stephen Machia's uh, Becoming a Healthy Church. This is one of probably a gazillion books that are written on the same subject. It's a great book. But here's what he does. Listen, listen and think about our church and how would you rate it, right? Should we go Rotten Tomatoes? How many splats versus how many? Okay, whatever your rating system is, tell me what you think. God's empowering presence is the very first thing he starts with. God exalting worship. Now, how many of you instantly went to what we did with music today? That's just part of it. How we sing and how we sing together is an extension of what's in our heart. One of the things that we read yesterday from a book that we're going through called Soul Keeping is... An individual talked about how that difference between self and soul. Um, can you imagine singing, then sings myself? Right? It doesn't make a lot of sense. Jesus, lover of myself. We don't like to talk about the soul today because it's an intangible. But that's why our souls are starving. That's why our souls are unhealthy, is we've stopped paying attention to them. So when we talk about worship, it's not just about music. But music, as we gather for music, it is a marker. It is part of the syndrome. Right? I walk in the office and, and uh, you know, I, I had some kind of, we're going to get real personal here, okay? I had a rash, all right? It was here on the neck. And uh, my doctor says, in her infinite wisdom, um, you have to stop wearing a gold chain you wear. What? I don't wear a gold chain. Yes, you do. Okay, new doctor, right? I don't wear a gold chain. Never found out why I had this rapture. It went away. Thank God. Okay. Now that's all you're going to think about the rest of the day. Is that I had some weird rapture. Okay, get over it. But this is transparency, and they say a sign of a healthy church is transparency and vulnerability. So I just did it. Spiritual disciplines. How would you rate our church in the spiritual disciplines? Learning and growing in community. 
a commitment to loving and caring relationships, servant leadership development, an outward focus, wise administration and accountability, networking with the body of Christ. What does that mean? That means let's not just be about Comfort Bible Church. How do we connect with other churches, right? Stewardship and generosity, right? What do we do with our finances? And then chapter 12 is always, you know, if you're worth your salt, you always do a summation chapter and it's how to become that healthy church. Now, many of you probably thought I was talking about Comfort Bible Church. I was. He was. Here's the fascinating thing. Comfort Bible Church is comprised of the church. If you know Jesus Christ, you are the church. You are the bride of Christ. This is just who you gather with in community. This is where you practice those things that the church does and the church grows through. We grow together as a community of the church here at Conquer Bible Church. So with that information, as we're, we're breaking this down and we're looking, we're seeing how this all works. Let's start with, and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship to the breaking of bread and prayers. Let's look at this. Number one, devotion. Heartfelt, unmitigated commitment. I need a volunteer. Who can help me? Nothing's going to happen to you, I promise. Just need you to, I just need you to, to, to help me hold something or, or crinkle something up. Um, or, or just grab something. Would you like to do it? Okay, come on up. And I'm going to ask that you grab that pitcher and the aluminum foil underneath my seat right there. Okay? Great job. Okay, all I need you to do is hold, give me this and hold that, and you can stand right here. Okay, you got it? Okay, and why don't you share with everybody who, what your name is? That's great. <laughs> I just didn't know if you, if you wanted to add another name. Or... Okay, all right. So Landon, you like aluminum foil? Okay, my theory on it is it's cancer-causing agent. Okay, so be careful what you do with this. But this is safe. You're safe right now. So what we're going to do is this is your life, this picture. And everybody can kind of see into it, Landon. And so what is something you do every day? Do you go to school? Okay, so this is school. Okay. That probably fills up a lot of your life, doesn't it, going to school? <laughs> yes. Yes. Okay. Well, let's see what else we can put into your life that everybody can see. And, you know... The kitchen ministry is not going to be happy with me because I'm wasting their aluminum foil. But uh, hopefully this has spiritual ramifications. Uh, what else What else fills your day? What else do you do? Brushing your teeth. Brushing your teeth. Yeah. That's good. That's healthy. Okay, so brushing your teeth goes in there. All right. Um, let's see what else. Do you do you um, eat dinner with your family? Okay, that's good. That's healthy too. So we're going to take that. And this represents eating dinner with your family. Okay. Okay. Um, is there anything else that's really important to you about being um, landed? That you want to make sure that you don't let go of? Yes. Learning about God in my chapel at school. Fantastic. Do you think there's room in there? Do you sleep? Yes. 
Yes, that's necessary. Can we get an amen out there for the sleep, right? Spiritual health, health, you know, all those things. Okay, here we go. We're going to put sleep. And, uh, okay. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. There you go. Uh, there's a lot of wisdom in what just happened, folks. There's a lot of wisdom. Okay, so that's what's going on. Let me ask you a question. Um, do you play any sports or do anything with sports or anything? Gymnastics. The rings, floor exercises, flags, trampoline. What's your favorite? Conditioning. You're serious. Okay, so conditioning. All right, let's, you can go ahead and try to get that in there. Okay. Fantastic. So, here we go. What else? What else is part of Landon's life? Playing with your pets. Do you have a favorite pet? Okay, and the dog's name is? Okay, but the dog's names are? Beckham and Blue. Beckham and Blue. Nice. Beckham after David Beckham? Yes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, let's get that into your life. All right. Wow. Your life looks. Hold that up. Your life looks pretty full, doesn't it? Let's see. I'm just going to because I'm running out of time for this illustration. I'm going to hold your life in my hands. Okay. And let's let's list one more thing. Praying with your family, fantastic. Okay, now hold that, just like that. Um, <laughs> like kitchen staff, you need to order some more. <laughs> okay. So, um, let's just say this is homework. Yes. Yes. Okay. Oh, I'm sorry. Sometimes that's what happens with homework, right? Okay. Okay, you know what? There's not a lot of room for that, so let's take something out. I'm going to take prayer out, okay? Oh, now we can do our homework. Thank God, right? Yeah. Yeah. Give a big hand of Sometimes we as leadership stress the body so much that the body says, 
we, we're exhausted. We can't keep doing this. Sounds like a great idea, but we can't keep doing this and do things well. Here at Comfort Bible Church, we say, can we do this? That means with excellence. If we can say yes to that, then we say, should we do this? That means, is God saying do this? We pray about it. And then if we say yes to that, then it's do it, we must. Do we do that in our lives? And see, part of the challenge as to why our soul is spiritually starving, and the church sometimes misses its mark of who it should be, is very simple. We have put so much into our life that one more thing can't fit. And so what do we do? We remove that which we think is expendable. And just like in my life, I removed vegetables and fruits for the better part of 20 years. Because I told myself, I don't have time to go to the store. I only have time to go through a drive-thru. Right? Spiritually, we do these things all the time. And so what do we see out of the first church? They were devoted. They were devoted to being the church. If you walk away today and you get one thing, I want you to wrestle with that. They were devoted to being the church. Our sound engineer just spent the night out in the cold all night with a seven-year-old. Do you know how cold it was this morning? And yet they were here at 8.30 this morning, ready to help us. Devotion. Devotion. You all are devoted. You're here. You said this is important. But what tends to come in the way of our spiritual growth, our spiritual health? Because we keep adding in, there's no more room to add in. You see, the early church, they started with devotion, and Luke recognized this, and he said that's important. So, what did they devote themselves to? They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. Well, the church is brand new. They don't have the New Testament. What are they devoting themselves to? Two things. They didn't completely evacuate the Old Testament. They were still going back and they were looking at the Old Testament, things that they would have been teaching initially anyway. But now there's some new understanding, some comparison contrast. And what is it that Jesus said? You will be my witnesses. You will speak to the glory of God in heaven. You will speak about me. So they were speaking about Christ as well. And how Christ was the game changer. How faith in Jesus Christ was now preeminent over the law. This was the apostles' new teaching. So the body, the church body, would gather and they would commit themselves to this teaching. Second of all, they committed themselves to fellowship. Can I just encourage you, when it comes to fellowship, part of the challenge that we face is who we are as individuals. We were made for fellowship. But you know what? When we get upset, what do we tend to do? We isolate ourselves. We isolate ourselves. I went in for, for a dental appointment. Did not go well. Y'all are going to want to take out a health insurance policy on me at the end of this message. Did not go well. I, I, you know, I've got good German blood in me, but not good German teeth. Or maybe Germans have bad teeth. I don't know. But I, just, I have teeth that attract and so it did not go well. And you know what they say? A part of it, you know what's, what's behind it. But I always love that greeting. Oh, we haven't seen you in so long. <laughs> we haven't seen you. And you know, I'm like, 
so nice to be wanted. Thank you. Right? That's how you respond at the dentist office when they tell you that, right? No! You're like, there's a reason I don't want to see you. Okay? <laughs> Funny anecdote, but we do this in church all the time. Because the enemy gets involved in our thinking and gets involved in our soul, and our soul starts to shrivel because we're not feeding our soul properly. And so something about church offsets us. I'm going to give you a big theological term to help you understand how to deal with that. Get over it. Church is filled with people that are people, that are, that are sinners, that have become saints, that are struggling not to sin through the power of the Holy Spirit. That's who we are. You know what? File a, a complaint in triplicate when you get to heaven and something blows up. That's when you get to file the complaint. But we're here to love on each other. We're here to love and care and serve on each other. We're here to walk as Christ walked. That means we're going to be dealing with imperfect people, but with a perfect message. So, fellowship is what the early church knew was important, and they committed themselves to it. In Genesis 2, we see a statement where God himself has created man, singular. And now there's a lot to do, a lot to get done in God's economy. And what does he say? It is not good for man to what? Be alone. Oh, pastor, you insensitive cuss. You obviously don't appreciate singles ministry. You are telling me, pastor, that God's design and will for my life is that I not be alone. Yes, I am. God, God said it. It's actually not me. Um, don't misinterpret that, that God's plan and will for your life is necessarily that you get married by such and such a time. Maybe April 20th of this year. Some of you know what that means. The idea is this is fellowship. This, the early church, they're not talking about getting married. They're not talking about that institution. They're talking about being with each other so we can practice the one another is out of Colossians 3. That we not isolate ourselves. That we become interdependent, not independent. That's one of the things that came out of our counseling session yesterday. But when we get hurt, when we get offended, we want to what? We want to retract. We want to say, nobody listens to me. Nobody cares. I'm a blip on the radar. And as a matter of fact, I'm going to prove it. I'm going to disappear for a month. And if nobody from that church calls me, then I mean nothing to anybody. Then shame on the church for not reaching out. Then that's one of those metrics on the Rotten Tomatoes where we get a 20% splat. Because the early church fellowship, they saw the importance in it. They broke bread. Can I get a hallelujah? Now, we can't do anything in the oven because I just used all the aluminum foil, but we could order out. <laughs> Breaking bread together is important. Why? You see, at that time, breaking bread together was all about the community. It was a slowing down from a continual process of work upon work upon work upon work. And that's where they would come together for community. That's where teaching would happen around the table for the family. That's where connection between family members or, or neighbors or the church itself would come together around that table. Today, we eat in our cars on the way to soccer practice. 
we're losing our community, we're losing our fellowship, and we're losing the understanding of how breaking bread used to fill that. When Janine and I got married, you know, when you first get married, a lot of us, we, we don't have a whole lot, but I said, the dining room table is the most important piece of furniture we will ever possess. And, and so I've always been adamant about that dining room table. And yet we're at a stage of life where maybe once a week right now, we're getting to sit down with our kids to sit and have a meal. We're saying we're not surrendering that at least once a week. We're together to spend that time breaking bread together. It's important. It's important. The next point is prayer. It's a hallmark of the early church. They recognized the need to speak with God. They recognized how important this was and they committed themselves to prayer. We talk about prayer and I loved, I loved that prayer was part of, of your, um, your life, your fulfillment of life. It was fantastic. We should pray together. We have a prayer service the first Sunday of every month, 5.30 in the afternoon. Or 5 o'clock. I don't know, you'll see in the bulletin next week. Next week is it. We usually have the same 10 people for the past 25 years that have been coming to that prayer meeting, coming to that prayer meeting. Now, I get it. We rationalize in our heads, well, we don't have to just do this to, to pray. We can pray. And we commit prayer time in our services. Envelop it into your life. It's not just about who we are corporately. It's about who we are individually. But it does matter. You do not, let me just encourage you, you do not want to attend a church that isn't focused on prayer and the power of prayer. We gave testimony today to the power of prayer and how that ministers. So this morning, let's move into the next part which is the whole rest of the chapter. And, and so what was the result? What happened? Here's what they devoted themselves to. And my encouragement to you and, and my, my question to you is, is that what we do at Concord Bible Church? Do we commit ourselves to teaching? Yes or no? Do we commit ourselves to fellowship? Yes. Do we commit ourselves to breaking of bread? Oh, yeah. And do we commit ourselves to prayer? We do, corporately. But as we take that spiritual temperature or assessment of who we are as a church, can we do better? You know, maybe we need to eliminate sugar out of our diet so we can put in some more prayer. Whatever that metaphor means for each person, right? So what happened as a result of committing this way, right? Did they get it right? Did they get it right? Remember the first part of what what Machia says is a, a deep, resounding estimation of a spiritually healthy church is God's overwhelming presence. Was it there with the first church because of their devotion to those four things? It says, And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those that were being saved. So let's break this down real quickly. Number one, signs of a healthy church. We already talked about devotion. 
devotion. We cannot have a healthy church if we're not devoted, number one, to whom? To Christ. But secondly, to each other. And then you see our, our vision statement, or part of our vision statement. Picture a church that is relevant in heaven, earth, and hell because people of all ages, cultures, and positions are transformed and unified through the gospel of Jesus Christ. Our reputation in heaven, earth, and hell. So is the efforts of our devotion showing itself, and we'll get to that in just a moment, in the world around us. Secondly, they had inspiration. Right? It says what? It says they were filled with awe and the apostles were doing many signs and wonders. And, and you've heard me, me talk about this a little bit. We'll talk more about it. I, I haven't segmented this time to really specify what that means um, in particular, but let me give you a synopsis real quick. Then what's happening is that there's a gathering for Pentecost with thousands of people from around the world. What is it that you're going to choose to believe in? Are you going to believe in something just because someone says it and the rhetoric is out there? Or are you going to choose to believe in something because there's power behind it? And see, Jesus Christ was here. There was power in his message because of what he did. And because of the message itself as well. But definitely power because of the resurrection. And this is what the apostles preached. But see, what God's intention was is that that power that would, was residing in Jesus, those many signs and wonders with Jesus that gave uh, credibility to his message, he said, I'm going to put this upon my apostles so you know that it is this message you need to listen to. Does that make sense? So the world would have no doubt that because these gentlemen are doing signs and wonders just like my son did while he was here on earth, they are an extension, a natural extension of who Jesus Christ is. This is who you want to follow. Their message. And so they were doing many things with great signs and wonders. And they started gathering together. As a matter of fact, they gathered all the time together in church. Participation is the next one. Service and sacrifice, verse 45 and 46. So 45 and 46 says what? And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing their possessions and belongings. I'm sorry, distributing their proceeds to all as any had need. Wow, that sounds fantastic. Right? This is who the church should be. Now, whether you're a, a, a capitalist, and you see the value in that, or whether you swing over to this line and you say, see, this is your biblical evidence for, for kind of the socialist idea. Right? Can we please just eliminate those two terms that our society loves to banter around? Let's just go with what God desires and what God did through his people. What a privilege for me to post in the midst of all this you know, as far as refugees, Comfort Bible Church has been helping support refugees for three years now. All of a sudden, the world wants to be concerned about Syrian refugees. Comfort Bible Church has been providing tents, clothing, and heating for Syrian refugees and for Iraqi refugees. Families that are displaced because of sin, because of hatred, because of war. You've been given to that. And as you give here, there are many things like that that you give to. As we have had certain needs within our church body, people have literally sold things 
in order to make lifetime come about and, and have that happen, giving above and beyond what we actually give here to the general budget, giving above and beyond to a, a ludicrous level. I know people have sold things in order that we take that message of, of, of Christ, of that spiritual health, and put it out into the community, and it's had its profound effect. And some of that effect is lit right behind me. Now, here's what's fascinating. Over 3,000 people show up at your door. 3,000 of them accept the Lord. You're 120 people. What's the next thing that probably needs to happen for those people? You see, last week, and I'll just, I'll, I'll just jump to it now. Last week, because of that sermon, I felt compelled to ask, is there anyone here today that the Holy Spirit is speaking to you like it spoke to the 3,000 that day? And you may not understand everything, but you're saying, I want it. I want to seek Jesus. Someone walked right up to me and said those exact words. As a matter of fact, their exact words to Lynn is, I said, could you please give us your contact information so we can follow up? She sent words and she said to Lynn, hi Lynn, I just want you to know that on Sunday, I became a disciple of Jesus Christ. And so I want to pass this information on to Pastor Jeremy so I can learn what that means. You see, these 3,000 needed to learn what it was that the church is. And this is where sometimes we fail because we're not devoted. We're not devoted. We lose track of this. It's like, it's like just get someone to sign up. Just get a life lit, right? Yay, we can feel better about ourselves. That's not what it's about. It's about the light continuing to burn and getting brighter and brighter and growing and getting spiritually healthy. So you've got 3,000 people there that have said, yes, I want the Lord. Now what has to happen? Go back. Go to your homes. There's no room in the inn. Oh, wrong story, sorry. You see, the church there, the 120 or whatever it was, had to sell their possessions. Because they had to take care of 3,000 people. You want to talk about a refugee crisis. And so historians and biblical scholars seem to think that that group probably stayed in that region for a period of time. And that's why you see this. You don't see this action per se happening as far as in the narrative, in the scriptures, as part of the church past the story of Ananias and Sapphira. But during this period of time, the church had to sacrifice a lot in order for the church to grow. We have a deepened that we give to. Our regular giving towards our general budget gives towards these kinds of things. But our deacons fund is for those that have a desperate, immediate need. And that's why we give to that deacons fund. Is to meet those needs. So there's sacrifice. There has to be participation if we're going to be a healthy church. And then lastly, replication. Discipleship. Verse 47 says what? They were praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those that were being saved. This was a hallmark of the spiritual health of the first church. Is it a hallmark of our church at CBC? Is it a hallmark of our church at CBC? Let me run you through a couple things. The watching community. You see, the day of Pentecost had happened. The Holy Spirit came down. People were confused. 
Peter stands up and he preaches an incredible sermon and explains all that's going on. And what happened? 3,000 came to Christ that day. Now they're becoming the church. They are the church. And now they're learning what it is that this means. And, and, and their heart's desire is being filled with, with the understanding and the depth of understanding how to pursue relationship now with Christ. How to commit yourself to the apostles' teaching. How to proceed in prayer. How to see the importance of fellowship. All of those things. And people are watching. You know people are watching you. And they're watching with a cynical eye. And a cynical heart. But here's the amazing thing. Is that it's not upon you to perform. It's not upon me to perform. It's upon us to humbly submit ourselves. To our wonderful glorious Savior. And let the Holy Spirit shine through us. So that, the Lord's words out of Matthew 16, so that according to our good works, Christ shines through us. And men around us who are watching see what happens. And because of that, they are inspired to give glory to God in heaven. That's how this works. Men were watching. And it says this. This is what Luke said. This is how it turned out. Here's your splatter it was a 100% hit. 100% recommendation. It says that the community around were favorably impressed. Favorably impressed. We partner with AYSO as an outreach. But I've been frustrated about how do we connect with them. We've had them here doing certain things. And we built a sport court. We built a sport court for Awana. We built a sport court for youth programs. We built a sport court for community. But I never envisioned that working for AYSO. But because we have a light there, that God made sure we put a light in, AYSO teams are coming to us nonstop. They can't, they can't line up enough to be on this property. And I had my arch nemesis coach from five years ago, walk up to me in the parking lot Tuesday night, or Thursday night, and he approaches me, Rennie, approaches me, and he just says, Jeremy, Jeremy. I'm like, hey, Rennie, I haven't seen you in forever. And I'm thinking, okay, is he going to punch me? Okay, keep your <laughs> right, This is like the Mighty Ducks versus the other team, right? All right, we line up in AY, so it's all about fun, every kid plays, right? I look across the field, they've got headsets and matching uniforms for the coaching team. I'm like, okay, I, I did this a little more intense than what I was told was going down. So Reddy walks up and he says, man, I cannot thank you enough. There is no place for us to be able to do this in the community. And the fact that your church made the choice to make this available is unbelievable. And then we got to talk. And I got to talk about Christ a little bit. You see how this works? The community is watching. And because you committed and you sacrificed, we have an opportunity. And so we made coffee. Nancy and I made coffee and hot chocolate. You know how cold it is Thursday night? It was below zero, I think. <laughs> At least they thought it was. And I've got adults out there that are freezing, but they're sacrificing for these kids. Because they love kids. Not so much, they, they love soccer, but they love kids. And they want to pour into kids. So we served them hot chocolate and hot coffee. 
And at first, like, you know, Rennie came over because he and I know each other. Yeah, like, come on, let's get the whole team. And these kids are like, why are you doing this? Why are you doing this? What, what is, what's going on here? And it was just really cool. I say, you know, see things about, well, because it's loving people, man. And Jesus loved us. And so we want to love, we want to love other people. And are you cold? All right? So the Bible says we're supposed to help you not be cold, right? And so there are three ladies standing off to the side. And I said, hey, I've got hot coffee and, and hot chocolate. They don't know me from Adam, so they're just like, nothing. Nothing happened. And the Holy Spirit says, you got to be a member right there. you got to go to them. you got to go to them. And I walked up and I said, ladies, you got to be frozen. No, but lady, I was just so, yes, I'm frozen. I said, come on, i got fresh coffee, fresh hot chocolate. And that's all it took. And they're coming over and they're saying, we can't thank you enough. You know, why are you guys doing this? The community is watching. And it's favorable. We need to grow in that. That window's shortening, right? It's getting warmer out. Here's the ultimate goal is that they would come to faith. People come to faith because they saw what Jesus did. People will come to faith not so much because of our message. Listen, don't get it wrong. The message is the power through the Holy Spirit. But the message through you is powerful. That's the sign of a healthy church. Question in, in finishing up. This is a question that we started asking eight years ago. If CBC ceased to exist, would the community miss it? There's a sign of your spiritual health. There's a sign of your spiritual health. Secondly, if CBC ceased to exist, would you miss it? I hope so. So just understand, there are parts of what the early church did that may not be your thing. Fellowship may not be your thing. You may like isolating yourself. Can I just tell you, God has created you in a very special and unique way. And there's probably somebody here that can really be blessed by you and you could really connect with. But it takes that courage of the Holy Spirit to lead you into that help of reaching out. If I could shake the hand with all sincerity of my arch nemesis coach, we can fellowship here. Lastly, what's the sign of a healthy church? Numbers were being added daily. I get to close with this. It was our last light to be lit. A lot of visitors today, what are these lights for? It's based out of Matthew 5, 16. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your works and give glory to your God in heaven. We hung these lights a little over a year ago. We started with five in that corner and we said... When God works through you, when God works through you or this church in any way, shape, or form to walk someone into the kingdom by the power of the Holy Spirit and by His Word, and someone has that light of Christ go on in their life, we're going to light a light representing that light of Christ going on in someone's life. I already got to share with you. What is a spiritually healthy church? It's not one that will go years and years and years without celebrating new spiritual creation in someone's life. Amen? Amen. So we need to make sure we're not tolerating that. That we believe that what happened with the early church can happen here. It can even happen today. So my question to you, whenever I see people I don't know, 
I don't really know Matt. I've not actually asked him, Matt, do you know Jesus Christ? I certainly hope you do because you let us in worship today. <laughs> he comes with some credentials. But there are many in the room that I do not know. And so if that idea of Christ is appealing to you, please do not waste one moment. Come up. I'll stand right up here at the end of service as we dismiss you. Do not waste one moment. Come to me. And we'll pray together. And we'll see where you are in that, that walk, in that anticipation of what God has for you to become spiritually healthy. Amen? Amen. Let me close in prayer today. Thank you for being here. I do have one announcement that attends to our body. This is, the, again, the Spiritually Healthy Church. Many of you know that you are the God of family. Um, and you know that uh, their youngest child, Eliana, just a beautiful, precious, precious girl. Miracle that she was even born. And uh, Eliana always struggled, development of her lungs, things like that. And this past week, she went home to be with the Lord on Wednesday. And so um, we thank you for the prayers, just like, just like Trey was talking about. The Yarl Goddess, feel your prayers. Um, there will be a service here Wednesday. I have flyers out at the kiosk. As far as details, there's a viewing at the Weeman Brothers on Tuesday night that it's open certain times. Please observe that there's some time for family. And then we have a service here 1230 on Wednesday if you would like to come and attend that. Okay? Just some in-house things. Let me pray and dismiss you today. Father, use your words. Use the example of the early church in assessing the spiritual health of the church. I pray for each person in the room today as you are moving, as you have brought them here today, that they would hear and see the inspiration of what it means to be the church. And that while we never claim to be the perfect church, the Lord, we are going to be purposeful, we are going to be intentional, we are going to be inspirational about being your church and coming together here in this place locally to corporately be your church. May we please you first with our actions, with our intentionality, with our practices, with our hearts. Thank you, Father, for those that you've gathered here. If there is anyone today, Lord God, that you're knocking on the door of their heart with the message of the gospel, that because of sin, they are separated from you and they're not spiritually healthy, their soul is starving, but you've made a way, and it's faith in Jesus Christ. And if there's a sense that the Holy Spirit is wanting them to respond in faith, I pray, Lord God, that they would do so, and that they would speak to someone to do exactly what we see here with the church. That as the early church responded, that they stuck around and they said, okay, help me understand this. Help me grow in this. Help me learn. And that our church body honors that. Lord, be with those who give today. Multiply their gifts and blessings so that we do exactly as the early church did. And that we're able to care for those around us and carry out the message of the gospel. To you be all glory, Father. Amen.